Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back together again today. How blessed we are to be able to come together each day on this program and get into God's Word, to dig deep, look at it in detail, and try to understand those rich teachings and truths. So much there for us. God in His grace and His love and His mercy has provided for us the instructions, the roadmap, the guidelines for the best person, for the best life that a person can live in this world, right there in his word, all there for us. And how blessed we are to have the freedom to be able to come on the airwaves like this and study together without fear of anybody stopping us or arresting us for teaching the Bible or for studying the Bible or for thinking about these things openly like this, listening to such a broadcast. You know, we're so blessed in this country. It's not this way everywhere. We need to recognize that fact. We need to be aware of it and to be thankful for the blessings with which God has blessed us by virtue of our living right here in this nation. God's word is so precious and it is so important for us to read, to study, to contemplate upon, to pray about, to try to come to a good understanding of. It literally gives us the way to eternal life. In fact, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, the Apostle Paul wrote in that Romans letter, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Right there in God's word, the power of God for our salvation resides. It, it leads us to that salvation, tells us the way, shows us the path. And we're studying that way right here in Search the Scriptures every day. We're thankful that you're here. We're thankful that you're interested enough to learn God's word better, that you would tune in. And we know that many of you do that every day or close to it. And others frequently as you have the opportunity. We are thankful for those who might be listening for the very first time today. And we pray that you will be impressed with what we teach here. Not because we're so smart or that we've made, made up something new but simply because we're teaching God's word in truth, in truth, and giving him the glory. At the end of the program, we'll tell you how you can contact us and receive that free Bible study that we always offer. And when we say free, we mean free. We don't want you to send us anything for it. That doesn't sound free to us. We mean free. And we'll even take care of the postage both ways. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD or any of the programs on Search the Scriptures simply by asking for it. And again, we'll take care of the postage and it is absolutely free. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready. And at the end of the program, we'll tell you how to contact us. We're going to get back into this study that we began in our last program. And we were talking about how people tend to pay attention to the big sins, the big areas of wrong and wickedness and unrighteousness, but at the same time may find themselves overlooking or maybe trying to just 
pass over what they might consider to be little sins, inconsequential sins, things that aren't really that bad. Well, we talked about how the Apostle Paul admonished us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22 to abstain from all appearance or every form of evil. And how when he wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27 that he warned them to not give the devil any place in their lives. Now he wasn't talking about just a great big place by their entering into some horrible sinful activity. But he was talking about any place. He said don't give the devil any place in your life. Don't let him have a foothold or a toehold or get the tips of his finger into the door of your heart and start to pry it open. Don't give him any latitude, no space in your life because the devil is skillful. And if you give him just a little place in there, he can get that toehold and then that foothold and just keep opening the door wider and wider as he leads you into Sin after sin after sin. And he keeps dragging you deeper down into unrighteousness. Jesus, in giving the apostles the model prayer that so many call the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 13, in part of that prayer, he said, he prayed, deliver us from the evil one. And, of course, he's talking about the devil himself. And then on the night of his betrayal, he prays to the Father, and he's praying in that particular part of the prayer, the first part of that chapter, rather, and that prayer, he's praying for the apostles specifically. And he prays to God, and he says, I'm not asking you to remove them from the world, but that you will keep them from the evil one. We need to stay away from the devil altogether. We need to not let him have any place in our life, as Paul admonished the, the, in that Ephesians letter, chapter 4 and verse 27. The devil is that roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour, but he may not always appear as that big, frightening, terrifying beast of the jungle. He might appear as some temptation that we might think is, that's not so big, that's not so bad, that's rather inconsequential. Well, in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the Apostle Paul wrote, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Now you'll notice that he did not differentiate between kinds of sin or degrees of sin, or colors of sin. He didn't say the wages of the really big, bad, awful sins is death. He simply said the wages of sin is death. The Bible does not differentiate between big sins and little sins. Now, let me give you an illustration. How many times have we heard a news report on television or on the radio or maybe read the report in a newspaper of a parent 
or somebody who is overseeing a little child, maybe a toddler, maybe one or two years old, and they're in the backyard and they've got one of those little inflatable pools that are only about a foot deep and they put the water in there and we've all maybe we've all taken part in that ourselves maybe we've all had children who we let we bought one of those pools for and we put them in it let them splash around and 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 play in the water it's only about a foot deep maybe not even that much but then the parent or whoever is guarding over the child at that time, for whatever reason, they get distracted, and maybe they step into the house real quick, and they think they're only going to be gone for just a few seconds, but they come back, and the child has slipped under the water and drowned. Or maybe, and this was the case, I attended a funeral one time many years ago, I knew the young father, and he had his little child in the bathtub, giving him a bath, and he stepped out of the bathroom just again, I'm sure, for a very short time. I don't know what he was going to get, probably going to go get something, just stepped away for a short time, came back, and in the meantime, the child had slipped under the water and drowned. Now, those are not cases where the child fell into the middle of the Pacific Ocean or fell into a lake that was maybe 20 feet deep. There's a bend in the Mississippi River that I've taken some tour boat rides over a few times in the city of New Orleans that the bend of that Mississippi River right there is 80 feet deep. Now, you can understand anybody falls into the water there, and particularly, and it doesn't have to be a little child, it can be a grown person, somebody who is a skilled swimmer, but the currents in the Mississippi River are so strong that they could be swept under and they could eventually expend all of their energy and not be able to, to pull themselves up out of that water. And they could drown. 80 feet of water. Might be a hard time finding them, the body. But we're not talking about that kind of experience. We're talking about just in a foot of water or so. Well, the fact is that you can drown in a foot of water. And we're not just talking about babies here. Toddlers, one or two years old. Anybody can drown in a foot of water. If they found themselves unconscious and they fell forward into a foot of water and the water covered their face and they did not revive they could drown in that one foot of water. They don't have to be in the Mississippi River, 80 feet deep. They don't have to be in some deep water lake, maybe 40 or 50 or 100 feet deep. They don't have to be out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean or the Gulf of Mexico or the Pacific Ocean. They can drown in one foot of water. Oh, yes. It can happen. 
Maybe we've seen the scenarios where it was depicted in a movie that a car ran off into a ditch that was filled with water and the water was only a foot or two deep. But the person was pinned under the water and the danger was somebody had to get them out of there before they drowned in just a foot or two of water. Well, the illustration is to make the comparison to what a lot of people consider to be the big sins. I want to stay away from those, the great big sins. I don't want to be guilty of any of those. I don't want to be a murderer. I don't want to be a bank robber. I don't want to be somebody who cheats some grandma or great-grandma out of her out of her life savings. I don't want to be somebody who is involved in some heinous act. I don't want to be guilty of adultery on my spouse, or I don't want to be arrested for rape or something like that. I don't want to be a part of any of those big sins. But they'll dabble in what they consider to be small sins. What I call one foot of water sins. You see, they're going to stare clear of the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> sins that would be so deep and wicked as to be compared to something like that. But they'll splash around in the waters of the one foot of water sins. They'll play with sinfulness that they consider to be, yeah, not that bad. Not that bad. We all understand and agree, at least hopefully all of us do, with the instruction in Scripture that condemns the big sins. Now, look at what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 19. He says, The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, they won't be in heaven. Those who are guilty of living a lifestyle wherein they practice these kinds of sinful actions and activities. Now among this list, and this is the most extensive, I believe, of all of such lists that the Apostle Paul has written down for us, but it's still not complete. It's not all-inclusive. It's representative. He doesn't list every sin in this particular text. And we can see that by his statement at the end of this list. And he's listed quite a few. But at the end he says, and the like. Or I believe the King James Version says, and such like. Now that's a, a catch-all phrase that is meant to include all other sinful actions and activities 
that would be similar to what he has been listing here. In John chapter 8, beginning with verse 3, I'm sorry, John chapter, yeah, John chapter 8, beginning with verse 3, Jesus talks about one of what we would call the big sins. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Now they were trying to trap Jesus here. They were trying to catch him in a, in a trap where they said, here's this woman. We, she's been caught in the very act of adultery. So it wasn't hearsay. It wasn't a rumor. It wasn't somebody telling a tale on her. She was caught in the very act of committing adultery. And so they refer back to the Old, to the Old Testament law of Moses, and they say, now the law tells us that she should be stoned. And indeed, when you go back to Leviticus chapter 20, and you look at verse 10, that is exactly what the law of Moses said. The man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Aren't you glad we live under the New Testament of Christ today? The law of Christ, instead of still under the law of Moses of Old Testament times. Now, adultery was a sin worthy of death under the law of Moses. I'm afraid that a whole lot of people today look at it with kind of a wink and a nod almost. They don't consider it all that bad today, perhaps. A lot of people think, well, everybody does this. No, not everybody does it. They don't consider the sanctity of marriage as important as generations gone by considered it. But still, most people would probably say, well, yeah, that, that's a bad sin. We, we need to not be a part of that. We need to not do that. Well, it is so bad that adultery is the only reason, or sexual, or fornication, and we'll talk about that in a moment, the only reason God recognizes divorce over. That's it. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 9. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 32. There's only one reason for which God recognizes the innocent party to have a scriptural reason to divorce their guilty mate, the one who has been guilty of adultery or fornication, and then remarry. That's how bad adultery, that's how bad fornication is. Big sin. Fornication. Now, the reason I'm looking at these particular ones is they're in that list that we read of a few moments ago. In, Ephesians, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, they're right there in that list, both of these. And we would look at these and say, okay, yeah, yeah I can see where those can be big sins. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 5, Paul writes, for this you know, that no fornicator 
unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. In Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 5, again he writes along this line, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. He's talking about your, your body and your, your tendencies to take part in sinful act activities. Put them to death, he says, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. These are serious sins we see, terrible sins. These are some of the big sins that, that a lot of people would recognize as such. And if they don't, they should. They're right there in that list. And here we've seen three different times where we're talking about terrible judgment from God. And in two of these texts it says, people who practice such things will not be in heaven. What could be worse? What could be worse? Idolatry is another one that Paul lists in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. And certainly idolatry is another big sin. Now, we are not as familiar with the pure practice of idolatry in our country today, but it is still practiced in that form in many parts of the world. Huge percentage of the population of this world still practices idolatry, and others who even would call themselves Christians practice idolatry in that they use idols through which they say to worship God. But you go back to the original Ten Commandments even. In, in Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Now notice this. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. There are still a lot of people, even in this country, who call themselves Christians, who bow down to images, to statues. They pray through them, and they revere what those statues and images represent. How can that be anything other than idolatry? And idolatry is condemned. Repeatedly condemned throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Well, we're running out of time, so we're going to have to stop and park here. We'll come back and continue this study next time. I hope that you're being stimulated, that you're being intrigued, by this study about the one foot of water sins. Now, we're still in the deep water sins right here, but we're going to get to the one foot of water sins as we progress through this study. In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us and ask for that free Bible study. You can also receive a copy of today's program. And again, they're absolutely free. Contact us right away, won't you?